Welcome to Rain's Essential Geopolitics Podcast, powered by Stratfor. I'm Emily Donahue. The United Nations Climate Change Conference, known as COP26, will be held October 31st to November 12th in Glasgow. The pandemic prevented the gathering in 2020. As this year's date comes closer, more nations are revealing their plans for future energy use. Many of them seem in stark contrast to the science. Matthew Bay is Stratfor Senior Global Analyst at RAIN. Welcome, Matthew. Hello, Emily. Why is this year's conference important? Um, It's important for a few reasons. Um, The first, of course, we didn't have one last year um, because of the pandemic. Um, But what was important about the one that was planned for last year and now this year is that um, the 2015 Paris Agreement had what was called a ratchet mechanism, which essentially meant that every five years, all the different um, countries were going to be um, putting into place newer commitments that were more stringent. So every five years, essentially, they would be tightening those commitments in order to make uh, in order to make you know further gains when it comes to reducing emissions. Um, so that's what this year this year's conference uh, is about. A lot of countries have been setting those ahead of the conference. For example, of course, we have the United States um, in April setting uh, a, a goal of reaching 50 to 52 percent reduction of their emissions levels by 2030 from 2005 levels. Um, a number of other countries have done that. Even countries like Russia have um, said that they wanted to cut their own emissions by 70 to 75 percent by 2030 from 1990 levels. Um, so there are a number of countries that are doing that. And even this week, we had South Korea coming out and, and tightening theirs as well. Um, so that's one element of it. The second element of it is that we've also had the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change coming up with their uh, most recent report in August. Um, so that's the group of scientists who basically look at climate change and um, look at the science behind it. What are the impacts are? What are the things that we can do? Those kinds of things. And the outlook that they had wasn't very good. They basically said in all their scenarios... The world will increase by another 1.5 degrees by 2040 or sooner, which is no matter what. And that was kind of what the entire ambitious goals of the 2015 Paris Agreement were trying to avoid. So there is a lot of, you know, momentum behind, you know, that the report wasn't bad. And then finally, um, there is going to be things that we are going to be seeing. Um, For example, a bunch of countries led by the U.S. and Europe um, are going to be looking around maybe having some sort of a global uh, promise to cap methane emissions. Um, And methane is one of the biggest contributors to uh, greenhouse gas emissions and so one of the more important ones in terms of, you know, the, the amount of damage that it does. So that's something that is going to be happening. But, you know, you look at those three different things and really those first two, the idea that a lot of countries are out there tightening their emissions, which are good. Of course, environmentalists want to see more. Um, and then really, you know, we are coming after a, a climate report that wasn't necessarily a lot of good news. Matthew, what are um, some of the stumbling blocks or challenges that negotiators will be dealing with at this conference? Um, so there's a several of them. So the first one I think is probably the most important is that you do have a divide between basically the developing world and the developed world over who should pay for climate or for the energy transition. What is the speed of it? Um, if you are a small country, say you are South Africa, as an example, um, you're looking at you know these wealthier countries who have spent you know uh, in some cases almost 200 years um, emitting uh, coal or whatever, uh, and they're now being asked to cut their emissions while they never really were able to get through the same kind of development as say the United States or the United Kingdom, etc. Um, so they are saying, you know what, you guys need to make a bigger change. We can probably we, uh, we can should be able to at least you know not have as stringent commitments or um, the the, the rich, uh, richer countries should help pay for those changes. Um, so that's a major divide. Um, uh, 
The other big issue is going to be, since it's related to this, another big issue is going to be financing. So, so South Africa, as that example continues, um, they were looking at, you know, having, you know, $27 billion worth of their uh, overall energy transition being funded by, you know, development banks, things like that. Um, and you look at some of the estimates on what is actually needed when it comes to development finance in order for, for the energy transition to hit some of those more aggressive um, scenarios when it comes to climate change. You're talking upwards of a trillion dollars of investment needed annually. That's not you know over a period. That's per year um, for, for the developing world. And to put that into perspective, um, about a decade ago, we did have um, a similar push to help finance the, uh, the tr- energy transition in the developing world, wealthy countries said that they were going to try to contribute um, $100 billion annually by 2020. Again, this was a decade ago commitment, but they fell pretty far short. I mean, they weren't even necessarily getting to, you know, barely getting to maybe two thirds or, or three quarters of that by 2020. So if you think about the lack of being able to hit targets from previous times and you look at, you know, the amount that's actually needed for those countries when you talk about the next decade or so or next two decades um, that's a massive issue that's going to be of course not only going to be a major issue at this year's climate summit but all future annual ones and then the last one i think is kind of an important thing just when you look at the current status of the world energy market um, we are obviously dealing with an energy crunch you know oil prices today are mid 80s per, per barrel that's a level we haven't seen since 2014 they could go up from there Natural gas prices in Europe are at record levels where they are um, around 30 to $35 per MMBTU. That's, you know, roughly equivalent to, say, $200 or more in some cases um, on an equivalent basis to, to oil. The energy crunch is massively hitting a lot of industries. And those industries are turning around and saying, and some countries are saying, well, why do we need to make so aggressive climate commitments now? Because we're having all, it's, it's messing up with our overall energy security. It's messing up with our economy and this kind of, you know, very fragile COVID-19 recovery. Um, and you are seeing now some governments, even within the European Union, pushing back on the European Commission's plan to very quickly go towards, um, towards their climate agenda. And some of them are saying, well, maybe we should slow this down in the short term because of these economic challenges, because of that global energy crisis as well. You know, it's it's surprising and at the same time not surprising to hear that from governments. What about the private sector? What are we watching from them? Yeah, so the private sector, obviously, they're going to have a lot of various representatives at the at the uh, COP26 conference in, in Glasgow. The private sector is, of course, going to be very crucial to making electric vehicles affordable to the point where we can actually hit some of the goals of, hitting, of having no new um, hydrocarbon vehicles by 2035 in some cases. So the private sector is, of course, going to be making a lot of announcements. And at the conference, you're going to be seeing a lot of companies just trying to make that big PR push saying, hey, look what we're doing around climate. We're trying to target net zero by 2030 or 2050, depending on the company. At the end of the day, this is mainly going to be a conference where a lot of governments are going to be negotiating. It's not really where the private sector is going to be making a lot of its biggest announcements. But of course, you are going to be having, you know, private sector groups making some of them. You might have announcements around, you know, the steel industry cutting back, calling to curb emissions um, and things like that. Matthew Bay is Stratfor Senior Global Analyst at Rain. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. You can prepare in advance for the UN Climate Change Conference. RAIN offers analysis, podcasts, graphics, interactive databases on the topic of climate risk. Find out more about what's at stake at RAINnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. 